Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Premier League post-match podcast with Republic of Ireland and Ipswich legend Matt Holland, TalkSport transfer guru Alex Crook and me, Sam Matterface. Seven sisters goad. Jose Mourinho outwits Arteta in characteristic style as Kane and Son inflict first half pain. The Solskjaer hokey cokey continues. At half time, they want him out. At full time, they want him in, especially after Bruno Fernandes came on to shake it all about. I spy a Chelsea win over Leeds as Lampard picks Ollie from the start. Well, it would have been Giroud not to. Wins for City, who are getting slicker. Leicester, for whom Vardy's getting quicker, as Sheffield United start to bicker. All that and a look ahead to Monday night's action on the podcast that has definitely put away more shots than Arsenal this weekend, with a substantial meal, of course. It's the game day Premier League post-match pod from Talk Sport. This is game day. Hello to Matt Holland, a man who ages like fine wine. What's your highlight of the week? Uh, good evening. Um, my highlight of the week. Well, it's difficult actually because there's been lots of. No, it's not difficult actually because uh, fans back in stadiums yes. is my choice. I mean, there's some wonderful goals. Son's goal, Van Alden's goal. Actually, Vardy uh, tackling the corner flag was one of my highlights. Yeah, got booked um, for that. But, but but fans inside the, the inside the grounds again, um, albeit only two thousand. The noise, the atmosphere. Everything is better with supporters inside the ground. Yeah, fans coming back for me, um, my highlight of the week, and the ironic jeers when Andre Mariner finally gave West Ham a free kick in the second half. Just that sort of emotion, that sort of you know wit that the, the fans have is, is always good to hear. Alex Crook is with us as well. Now, Alex, Faker Others outed us on the game day main programme live on Talk Sport this week. She said, uh, as a duo, you two constantly have a pop at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Now, I try to correct her and say that it was just you and not me. Fancy lumping you in with me. I thought it was out of order. You're the hard, hard line one out of the two of us. But she wasn't having it. She was she was suggesting that it. I listen every week, she said, and uh, you two are, are in cahoots. There we go. I thought I was uh, ploughing a lone furrow on, on that one. Um, <laughs> but, I'm, I'm, you know, if there's someone I want to be grouped in with, I'm, I'm more than happy for it to be you. Well, whereas um, I think- there's someone I want to be grouped in with, it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were both in agreement that Manchester United were a shambles in the first half of the weekend. And for the second game running, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made a couple of changes at half time, brought on two players that should have started the game. And uh, it was a fantastic second half showing, no question about that. I mean, they're, they're only uh, five points off top spot. They've got a game in hand against Burnley. Imagine with those players <laughs> how good they could be if they had a proper manager in charge. Oh, here we go. We'll get into that very shortly. Matt Holland is already shaking his head, so we should start where Faye was expertly reporting this weekend with the little ponies who aren't in the title race, apparently, despite getting off to a fantastic start and setting the pace. We're very disappointed with the results. It was a, a big day for us. And Derby wanted to use this game to build some momentum, give something to our fans as well. We were very dominant. We tried to do all the right things, um, but we liked the same thing. We didn't put the ball in the net. Still, I think the reaction of the team is top draw. You generate a lot of situations against a team that doesn't want to do anything apart of defending, um, and you lose the game. We stay top of the league. 
The team played amazing. We knew how we could hurt them. We did that. And then after that, we had to face a very difficult team, a very good team, lots of good players. Just the momentum is not good for them, but they are a very good team. Just as the final whistle goes and you hear the Spurs fans shout and cheer, an impressive display by Tottenham. They camped themselves, defended well. Arsenal could not break them through and they're still without a goal. That last win they had was back against Manchester United on the 1st of November. Difficult times for Mikel Arteta. It's finished Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0. One headline made me laugh uh, after Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0. Jurassic Jose rides again. Uh, it was a bit harsh because the experienced one had Arteta's number today. The first goal was absolutely exquisite from Son. The second was rank bad defending. Once again, they had that lead and they could sit back and defend Matt. But he also identified that Bayerin was get-attable. Suited them the last few weeks, hasn't it? You know, Man City, Chelsea, now this one as well. Um, just to allow the opposition to have all the ball. I think Arsenal had 69% of it. Um, uh, and, and Spurs, when you've got Son and Kane in your team, you, you know, you're going to score plenty of goals and, and enough goals to beat the opposition. And, you know, he's played a, almost a back six for three weeks running with, <laughs> with Sissoko and Hoybier dropping into, into the back four. Um, I, I would give a word to Eric Dyer as well. I think his form at, at centre-back has been, he's been excellent. Um, but Spurs are, are a team that are buying into what Mourinho is asking them to do. And that's, well, that's the bottom line. And, it was it was as comfortable a tuner as you'll see, despite Arsenal having all the ball. It's interesting you mentioned Pierre Emil Hoybier because Jose Mourinho was full of praise for him after the game as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was told he was man of the match, and if that's correct, uh, he totally deserves. And especially because last Thursday, he was one of the few players that played also ninety minute ninety minutes in uh, in Austria. So the guy physically is a is a monster. Mentality great. He. He's fundamental, he's tactically very clever, he understands very well what a coach wants from, from him. I'm so happy. Um, obviously, a man that he purchased, the missing piece of the puzzle, I think you said, on the Darren Bent boot room, Alex? Yeah, I uh, gave him a bit of an apology because I was a bit sceptical of that signing. He wasn't a consistent performer for Southampton. Actually, in his last season there, he was pretty poor, um, to be honest, and... I was doubtful that he would bring much to the Tottenham team, but I've, I've been proved wrong. And I think Mourinho is always like that stopper in, in front of the back four. If you go back to the, you know, the likes of Michael Essi and Makaleli, Matic, of course, at, at Manchester United, and Hoybier has come in and, and done that job. As Matt said, there he's certainly made them more watertight defensively and allowed the forward players to flourish. And at the moment, you have to say Jose Mourinho, week in week out, is getting his tactics absolutely spot on. I was watching this game with. Um, a lot of Arsenal fans in, in the green room at TalkSport, we, we have a lot of producers who support Arsenal. There's no green room say, at TalkSport, you've made that up, it's just the office. <laughs> but I couldn't understand how bullish they were about Arsenal's chances because I couldn't see any way yeah, that this was going to go all over any it, way other than a Tottenham win. They were so confident, I didn't understand them. Like, We've got to go out and win this game. Hold on, if you get a draw, you've done very well here. Agreed. Just on just on Hoybier, I mean, it's not one stopper; it's two stoppers because he's got Sissoko yeah. in there as well. So yeah. he, you know, it's it's a it is two stoppers rather than just one. Um, but I I was like you, Crookie, very skeptical about whether he could step up to 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 play for a, cl a club like Spurs um, and and be at the top end of the Premier League. Uh, and actually, I watched it on the box today, and Gary Neville and Jamie Redknapp both said the same. They, they, and I was at the same game they were at on the first day against Everton. And I was scratching my head thinking, not sure he's going to be good enough. I'm not sure he's got that passing range. That, and actually today was the, the most progressive I've seen with his passing yeah, since, he's, since he's been at Tottenham. Too often he's, he's sideways and backwards. But actually, Harry Kane was brilliant today, just the way he dropped in again. I mean, he's been outstanding all season. But in that number 10 position, and Hoybier found him a lot today, more progressive with his passing than I've seen him for a long time. Uh, Kane has now scored 11 goals in North London derbies, the most of any player in this fixture's history, overtaking Emmanuel Adebayo and Bobby Smith. He and Son look absolutely deadly. That is not an accusation that you can lay at Mikel Arteta's Arsenal door. Here he is after the game. And we have to do more. 
And today I think we put 56 crosses, maybe we have to put 90 crosses and more shots and hit the target more. But we have, we end up the game with three strikers, two wingers. I don't know how else we can do. And at the end, if the ball wants to go in, uh, you hit it, it goes in the crossbar or it goes in. And that's the detail and that's the difference between winning football matches and not. The key point there, Alex, is that he says, I don't know what else we can do. Yeah, that doesn't sound too good if you're an Arsenal fan. But I also thought it was interesting that you identified the number of crosses put in the box. We all remember that David Moyes game for Manchester United. Was it Fulham? When they set a new record of, of crosses into the penalty area and he quickly lost his job soon afterwards. Last time I checked, crosses in the box don't translate into winning football matches. Aubameyang looks like he's never going to score again. I actually felt Lacazette did, did quite well in, in, in trying to link up the play. Obviously, we've seen in Europe that Mikel Arteta has tried to almost get him to replicate what Harry Kane is, is doing with Tottenham, drop into a number 10 role. Willian looks like he's going through the motions and it, it is almost seeing Arsenal as his semi-retirement. Uh, the last time Arsenal were this bad, Matt, was the winter of 1981. Uh, Aubameyang was anonymous in this game. Partey stormed off down the tunnel after, well, at some sort of confrontation where Arteta appeared to push him back onto the pitch. He'd uh, hurt himself. He, he couldn't continue. How much pressure is Mikel Arteta under? And, and is that sort of an example of someone not thinking clearly in key moments? I don't think he's under massive pressure um, because of the trophy that he won. I think Arsenal fans recognise that actually this was a this was a huge job that he's undertaken. And I think they're willing to give him a bit of time to try and get it right. But the longer it goes on like this, then the more and more pressure he comes under. And actually when you know when you talked about crosses just a moment ago, 32 crosses from open play against Spurs, 30 crosses from open play against Wolves, and they haven't picked up a point in those two two matches. Now is that playing to the strengths of Lacazette, is it playing to the strengths of Aubameyang? The answer to that is quite simply no. It's, I think I think Arsenal's last 74 goals, they've scored three headers. It, it's playing to the strengths of Sebastian Haller, but he plays for West Ham, which or is Olivier a bit, Giroud. bit of an issue. And he's playing really. for Chelsea. Yeah. So it, it, isn't, it isn't playing to Arsenal's strengths by just lumping balls into the box. So he's got, there's got to be more to it going forward from for Arsenal. And at the moment, they're disappointed in that regard. Jose said in the build-up to this game that they had bigger things to worry about than finishing above Arsenal in the table this season. And he's right, because from here on in, they should be in the title race, shouldn't they, Crook? Yeah, and it was uh, something I asked Darren Ambrose, um, obviously a very open Tottenham fan on our Nostradamus, show. Nostradamus, actually, Darren Ambrose, <laughs> who, uh, who predicted right at the beginning of the season that they would be up there challenging for the title. He did, but I basically asked him if, if now they fell away a bit and, and ended up just scraping into the top four, would that be a disappointing season? Because well, you already went on the negative. Well, expectations levels have been raised and, and Tottenham will have a blip because all teams have a blip. They haven't had that yet and that will be a real test of their title credentials because at the moment, everything Jose Mourinho touches is turning to gold. That, that won't continue between now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. On May.
boy, does that sound good. And Calvert-Lewin slides in to score the equaliser. 11 games, 11 goals this season. He splashes it straight in the back of the net. You never expect De Bruyne to miss. Manchester City 2, Fulham 0. Greenwood, lovely oh. take. What a swivel. What a hit. What a comeback from Manchester United. Brilliant. Of course, we want more of him in. And uh, fans deserve it. Players deserve to have fans in the stadium. Welcome back. You've been missed. Pulisic has got their third goal. 3-1 they lead. To the top of the Premier League. West Ham 1, Manchester United 3. Manchester United entertained again as they won away from home in the Premier League for the ninth time in succession. And for the fifth time in a row this season after going a goal behind. Credit where credit is due, Matt Holland. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is spotting problems, changing them. But why are they so slow to start with and that's a habit can't answer the, that, that last question because i don't know why they're so slow at starting games um but they are finding a way because they've got talented players and you know when you can bring on bruno fernandez at half time the difference that he made was just frightening you know the week before it was cavani this time it, it was bruno fernandez i think they had 12 shots in the second half he set eight of them up I mean, he's just a phenomenal player and, and without him, they look a pretty average side. With him, you feel as though they've got a chance in every game. Uh, Alex Crook, never one really to stick the knife into Oli Gunnar Solskjaer or make bold statements, said at uh, full-time, Bruno Fernandes has to start every game. I don't remember Fergie resting Ronaldo or Cantona and he deserves to be in that bracket. Um, are, are you saying that he has to play no matter what, whoever the opposition are, the whole team should be built around him? Yes, because he's the talisman. And not just in terms of his football ability, and Matt's talked about the, the number of chances that he created, but his leadership skills, his aura. And I think when you talk about aura, you have to compare him to, to Cantona and, and to Cristiano Ronaldo. So yeah, he's got to play week in, week out. He will want to play week in, week out. I didn't see the sense in taking him out of the starting lineup because as Matt says, there are two Manchester United. There's Manchester United without Bruno Fernandes, who'd probably finish somewhere around ninth. And there's Manchester United with Bruno Fernandes. Might just be able to launch some kind of title challenge. Tricky, I think you have to recognise that we're in an unprecedented season here. And, and we've seen already clubs and, and teams picking up injury after injury after injury. That is one player that United cannot afford to get injured. We're in a December month here yeah. where there's game after game after game. Absolutely. And they've got two games coming up now against Leipzig and Man City, the next two. He has to make a choice somewhere of resting him because you can't, you can't play him 90 minutes every week and expect him to come through it unscathed. He has to be a bit careful, particularly with Bruno, because he is their most important player. And let's be honest, he has started the other four league games in which they've gone away from home and gone behind and then come back to win. Yeah, but Harry Kane plays week in, week out for Tottenham because he's so important to them. So, so why should Bruno Fernandes be treated any differently by Manchester United? It's a slightly different position, isn't it? And isn't there more work to be done as a central midfielder, Matt Holland? You'll know that more than anybody else. Traditionally, centre midfielders and, and probably full-backs and wing-backs run the most in, in, of anyone. It's centre-halves and centre-forwards run the least. Well, goalkeepers, of course, as well. But centre-halves and centre-forwards run, run the least of the outfield players. So um, it is slightly different. But, I mean, I, I take the point. You know, I understand that. Um, but you have to give these players a rest at some point. You saw last week Salah coming off against Brighton. Yeah. You see the disappointment on his face. He's He's got the right hump, but Jurgen Klopp's protecting him. He, he can't play it every single minute. We should reflect on West Ham's performance because for 45 minutes, they were absolutely superb and how different it might have been, actually, if Sebastian Allaire had taken his chance when he went round the goalkeeper and then stumbled or four nows had not hit the side netting or Bowen had converted in one of his chances. Krug, it could have been a very different afternoon for Manchester United. Yeah, they could have been out of sight before half-time. There's, there's no question about that. I think a Sebastian Allaire, high in confidence of banging goals, doesn't lose his footing and, and puts that in and, and, and probably it's game over. But I think what we have to say from that first-half performance, and actually it was individual brilliance that won the game for Manchester United. All three goals they scored were absolutely sensational. Yeah. West Ham are a different proposition now. They're not a soft touch. They're going to give everybody a game. Credit to David Moyes for that. It's a difficult place to go. Let me ask you a question, Crookie. You're saying West Ham are a different proposition. How many of those West Ham players were getting Man United's team? Declan Rice. He's the only one, in my view, watching that game yesterday. He's the only one that improves United. 
Yeah, I think you're probably right there. Um, but I think what they lack in individual quality, they make up for now because what he's moulded is a team unit. Everybody knows their jobs. Hold on, hold on. Are we saying Ollie out, David Moyes in again? Are we? We're not saying <laughs> no, I think that, David, are we? I think David Moyes has found his level, oh, is what I'm saying. All oh, right, OK. Uh, the Greenwood goal was superb. What a hit that was after a sumptuous touch and a lovely swivel to, to get away from his defender. Um, but it is worth pointing out, Matt, that since he was appointed two years ago, Manchester United have taken the third most points in the league. And I think he would have signed for that when he turned up, if you were a Manchester United fan, bearing in mind how good Liverpool and Manchester City have been? I think you would. Uh, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination no. and there's still a couple of players short of winning the league. I think they're, I, I personally think they're, they're a, like a Declan Rice player in midfield. Someone just to, to you know, who can hold and, and have that energy uh, and, and the quality on the ball as well. And I think that, I also think they're another centre-half away as well that's my personal view um but i think i yeah you, you would have taken it the difference that bruno fernandez has made though since arriving it, it i mean it, you can't underestimate that he has made such a huge difference to that united team where are you at the moment crook and the uh, ollie in ollie out shake it all about stakes i still think that team could be improved with with a better manager an elite level manager a pochettino an allegri but as i say credit where it's due two weeks in a row he spotted the problems He's been proactive about solving those problems and, and two very good wins. OK, let's move on to Chelsea giving Bielsa the blues. Well, they didn't start perfectly at all, uh, Chelsea. Um, had a good couple of opportunities and then very quickly uh, found themselves a goal behind. Frank Lampard did start with Olivier Giroud after his four-goal haul, but Pat Bamford, who was at Chelsea for five years and farmed out on loan, deemed not good enough, didn't take long to remind them of his quality, helped Matt Holland by a wonderful ball from Calvin Phillips. There was a little, um, I think there's a, a passing competition this weekend. <laughs> Calvin Phillips to Bamford. Yeah. Mata to Rashford. Bruno to Rashford when Rashford went through and hit the post. Uh, Madison to Vardy. So uh, there's been a bit of a competition this weekend for pass of the weekend, but that was it. That was brilliant from Calvin Phillips. Huge fan of his. And, and what, a, what a take as well from Bamford. Um, after that, Chelsea retook control again. Giroud with a poacher's goal. Several chances, including Timo Werner, trying to outdo Ruben Diaz by missing for a yard out. What on earth is going through his mind there? That was incredible, wasn't it? Um, I, I think on the uh, television commentary, they described it as one of the biggest misses in, in Premier League history. It's not quite Ronnie Rosenthal against Aston Villa, but it wasn't far off, was it? It was an absolute shocker. But I think credit to Chelsea because... It went backwards. It was worse than Rosenthal, wasn't <laughs> it, was, it? it? It was Alex Crook on a Sunday League pitch, wasn't it? <laughs> Have you been spying on me? Um, <laughs> but I was, I was just going to say, Whilst Chelsea... playing centre-half. We, we know they've tightened up defensively. But in a way, that makes this victory more impressive because they had a setback early on. They fell behind and they showed their powers of recovery and the character that, that Frank Lampard has instilled in this team. And I know you won't say it publicly, Sam, but we're 11 games into the season now. Chelsea have to be considered title contenders. Well, it's difficult because you've got Manchester City who will be top by the time we get to uh, New Year. You've got Liverpool playing particularly well. Look how good they were against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Tottenham are a brilliantly well drilled team and Chelsea still have holes in their in their in their eleven so it's a long way to go. But do they do you think now Matt that they have to persist with Olivier Giroud? His stats are unreal. He is the oldest player to do it, but he has scored in six consecutive Premier League starts. When he starts, he scores. That's a fact. I don't know about I don't know about persist with him because I think they've got so many options and so many different options. Um, and and as I said earlier, you, you know you, you're going to have to rest players and give give players opportunities, uh, particularly at this busy time of the year as well. Um, but he ha he has proved himself to, to be a key figure. But you you have got different options. You can play Werner through the middle. You can play Tammy Abraham through the middle. You've got Pew the six to cut come in on the left-hand side. You know, there's so many options going forward for, for Chelsea that it's it's a great problem for Frank Lampard to have. And, and game in, game out, he can decide to change things up if he needs to. And Matt, you have to give him credit and his coaching staff credit because this is a team that score a lot of goals from set pieces. In fact, I think they've scored the most goals from corners in the league. Zuma again on target. What does that tell you about what they're working on? Well, well clearly there's a lot of planning going on. And you've got people who attack the ball well from set pieces. 
you know, you, you, Zuma's very difficult to mark, isn't he? When he's when he's got a run on you, Giroud the same as well. You, so you've got you've got a couple of things there. You've got great delivery. You've got people that attack it, and and if you've got a, if you're working on them and you're working on them heavily, then then um, you know you've got a chance of scoring. So there's a lot of work being done on the training ground, uh, you know, quite clearly from Frank Lampard and his coaching staff. Um, but they are they're a good team to watch. And and what I'll tell you what, and Golo Conte in his best position. I mean that you, you can't. It was a no-brainer for me. I've been saying it for a couple of years. I don't know why he's playing where he's been playing. His best position is in front of the back four. As soon as he goes there, you know, Chelsea look a different team. Chelsea have got Everton away after the Manchester derby, both of which are live on Talk Sport. Very much looking forward to that Manchester derby next week, 5.30 on Saturday. And that derby will come after Manchester City have been able to make all the changes that they want in the world in midweek because they are already through in the Champions League and they are a guaranteed top spot. Are they quietly heading that way in the league as well, Crook? What was your favourite Manchester City goal this week? I did see the Manchester City goals um, this week. My favourite was Raheem Sterling's because he was my fantasy league captain. Ah, good. Um, it was a little fist bump when I saw he was playing in the game, let alone scoring the goal. But... Yes and no in answer to your question because it was a completely dominant performance against Fulham, one of the most one-sided matches that you can ever hope to see. But ultimately, they still didn't score the plethora of goals that perhaps the Manchester City for the previous couple of seasons would have done. So I still think they're a bit wasteful. I still think they're overplaying at times. And I still think Pep Guardiola, the fact we didn't know if Sterling was going to start or not, is still undecided, Matt, on exactly what his best team is. Well, hold on. First of all, I need to point out to our listeners that last week, uh, Crookie famously declined to watch the Manchester City goals, but uh, us ribbing him got edited out of the podcast by the producer, Lucy, who was being super kind to you. It's very generous of her. Uh, but Matt, six points behind the leaders with a game in hand. I have this theory that by New Year's Day, they'll be top. What do you reckon? Well, I think we, I think we discussed this last time on the pod and I said I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I think they are getting there. I think, I think Pep's prioritised clean sheets. I think that's four in a row now. So that's that's something that's that's um, good from from Pep. De Bruyne looked back. He's at his very best, isn't he? At the moment, I mean, some of the some of the his passing range is outrageous. Could have scored um, more than the penalty. Interestingly, I thought Mares was very good as well, but no subs. Then he quite rightly said, "I can make eleven changes and they can play ninety minutes in midweek," yeah. which is which is fair enough. I suppose that is the reason for it. But ultimately, I suppose when you're carping on about the fact that I want five and they're not using any, it doesn't particularly look good, does it? I mean, PR-wise. No, I was sort of scratching my head a little bit when he didn't make any subs at all. But, you know, when you listen to his reasoning afterwards, like you sort of go, OK, fair enough. Yeah, OK. And I still think that they'll they'll charge up the league now. They've got a run of fixtures, which I expect them to win. Obviously, the hardest one is against Manchester United because, as we always say, cliche, cliche alert, um, form goes out of the window when it comes to uh, Derby games. And it is at Manchester United, which is not great for them uh, because uh, they're not super at home, better away. However, the one thing I will caveat that by saying is they're a counter-attacking team. Love to have teams come onto them. And Manchester City crook will do that. Yeah, but this this is not a game that United could afford, afford to start slowly because if you look at the teams that they've come from behind against, they are teams that you would expect them to beat and to have more quality than. If, if they give Manchester City a, a goal start or a two-goal lead, they're not coming back into the game. OK, Burnley against uh, Everton. Let's have a look at this one because it finished 1-1 live on TalkSport at 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, both England goalkeepers going head-to-head. Pickford conceded again from outside the box, Matt, but ultimately I don't think he was to blame for that. And actually, I thought he played quite well. They both did, actually. Pope and Pickford both played well, made some big saves in the game. Um, I, I guess it's Everton of the two that will be more frustrated, actually, You know, with the result. Um, they're having a, a bit of a dip. I think it's one win in seven now. Uh, look, another goal for Calvert-Lewin, but they're massively missing their, their two full-backs, wing-backs, however they want to play. You know, Coleman and, and Luca Dini make such well, a they're going to have to get used to that, Matt, aren't they? Because Dini's not coming back anytime soon. Fabian Delphert left wing-back isn't the answer, though. Uh, although, you know, so, you know, when he got injured, it, it meant a change in formation as well. They went to a back four and all of a sudden it opened up more for... for um, for Everton but yeah it is, I suppose you're right I mean it is something they're going to have to get used to but it's, it is a problem for them because you know it, it doesn't suit them playing they delve one side it won't be the other wing back positions when you've got Coleman and Luca Dean you know out the team it, it, it 
it's not, you know, it makes such a difference to them. Um, what about Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Poach trip and sauce. I mean, this was like, you know, <laughs> the archetypal poacher's goal. Now, the regular listeners to this podcast will know what crook that I... That you love Dominic Calvert-Lewin I more do. than you love Mrs. Matterface. I, I love Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I just think he is amazing. I think he's he's learned. One of the things I, l- I like about him the most, Matt, is that he, he has taken on board information and changed his game as a result of that. And we are all seeing the benefits of it. And I think that that should be applauded. I agree entirely with that. You know, and, and I think there's there's a hunger about him now to to get himself into positions where he can score goals. And actually, the frustration you saw from him in the last 10 minutes of the game, at, you know, at the delivery and, and put, not putting the ball into the box at the right time, he's he's not not getting involved in in stuff that he doesn't need to get involved in mm. and he, and he's sticking to playing within the you know the width of the 18 yard box and getting himself into the area where he can score goals so he has taken on the information and 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 he's rightly you know worked it out that as a striker you're judging how many goals you score not how many assists you make not, not how many runs you make in the channels not how many times you close the full back down or crosses them. in the box you're judged on how many goals you score? Yeah. And he's the top Premier League goal scorer. Yeah, he is. And he's been mightily impressive as well. And it's not just in the Premier League that he's scoring goals. He scored them in the League Cup. He scored them for England as well. So, you know, we should cherish him. Um, Sean Dyche was unhappy about the goal that he did score, though, because he thought that there was a foul on Ashley Westwood by Allen in the build-up to the equaliser. He says, Burnley don't get those sort of fouls, Crook, because they don't badger referees and go down easy. Are we having that? I have to say, watching it in real time, I, I did think it was a foul. Um, I haven't seen too many replays, but it, it, it looked a foul to me. Um, I think it's paranoia um, to suggest that, you know, Burnley don't get the rub of the green for whatever reason. Maybe their own physicality possibly counts against them sometimes. But having said that, they still had enough time to, to stop the cross and, and, and to pick up Calvert-Lewin. So I, I can see why he was frustrated, but I'm glad the referee allowed play to continue because I thought it was a fabulous goal. Maybe not if you're Sean Dutch. Uh, let's move on to Monday night. Two South Coast teams in action. Let's look ahead to it. Well, Brighton will monitor the fitness of Neil Mope, who went off against Liverpool with a hamstring problem, was there for that game, and they played very well in it. Tarek Lamptey, though, is back from suspension. Adam Lalana still out. He's got a groin injury. He only came on for about seven minutes I think during that game against uh, um, Liverpool uh, Southampton will assess Danny Ings who, who got back to full training on Thursday but he's been out for a month with a knee injury I'm not sure he'll be ready to start this game you never know uh, but Brighton haven't beaten Saints since they come up Crook I know it's not a derby everyone will make a lot of it because they just both happen to be on the south coast but can they win on Monday night I think historically games between these two have, have been quite tight um, I've seen several draws. Um, they're usually keenly contested. You say it isn't a derby because it's about an hour and a half on a it's good run. It's about two hours, isn't it? Yeah, it might even be two hours. Not the way I drive. Um, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. It's uh, it's the two-year anniversary um, since Ralph Hasenhutl came in. I think they've made tremendous strides in that time. Had the, had the board have backed him a bit more, they could have made even greater strides because he's still having to, to, to get the best out of a group of players that aren't his and and what I mean by that is that he's inherited largely Mark Hughes and uh, Pellegrino's side without being able to make the reinforcements that he would have wanted but obviously the one exception to that rule is, is Danny Ings I think he'll play Danny Ings um, and I think they're obviously going to be a much better team with him in it as are Brighton with Lamptey I can see another score draw I think there's not much to separate the two teams, despite the fact that obviously Brighton are much lower in the table because as we said time and again, their league position probably um, isn't a fair reflection of how well they've played at times this season. Yeah. Brighton, they just haven't got the results. Yeah, they played well this season, Matt, haven't they, Brighton? So have Southampton. But um, as Crook has pointed out, they just haven't may- maybe managed to finish off chances, take chances and therefore get the requisite number of points that, that you would expect them to have at this stage of the season. They played better than their points total. Uh, yeah, I've, I've watched Brighton a couple of times live and, and some of their football's been excellent. But like I say, they haven't been able to pick up the points they probably probably deserve. I, I would say it is a derby because when I was at Bournemouth, Bournemouth against Brighton was a, was a massive game. It, it, was, it was deemed a derby. Well, that was even further. Southampton's nearer to Brighton than Bournemouth is to Brighton. Are you so kidding I'm saying me? it's a derby. Are you kidding me? Bournemouth Honestly, it, 
Bournemouth Brian is two Bournemouth and a half massive, hours. They used to say it's a derby, the South Coast derby. Because <laughs> well, it's on the same coastline. Exactly. I mean, so, so is Norwich Newcastle a, uh, well, a derby because they're both on the East Coast? To be honest, I think from Bournemouth, we were sort of looking around for the nearest team in our <laughs> league and Brighton was it, I think. So that was why it was a derby. Um, look, a perception is a weird thing, isn't it? But maybe our eyes are more reliable than statistics because Albion's total of 10 points is their lowest at this stage of any Premier League campaign. And I don't think that any of us believe that they are worse now than they were when they first came into the Premier League. They've had some tricky fixtures as well. Um, you know, they've played a lot of the big guns already. They're a much better team to watch under Graham Potter than they were under Chris Hewton. And I've got total admiration for the job that Chris Hewton did in terms of getting them into the Premier League for the first time, stabilising them. But they are, they are a team who I think should be looking now towards the top of the bottom half. And I don't think that was an achievable aim under Chris Hewton. Looking for Zaha, who's got it. Puts it across the face of goal, turned into his own net for an own goal by Darnell Furlong. A giant, lovely ball down the right-hand side of the box. Furlong gets to the byline, tries to pull it back, it's blocked. Works it back to Gallagher! 1-1! He's done it again! 2-2 two two for Conor Gallagher! It's a red card, and Matthias Pereira is sent off for his reaction to being fouled by Patrick Van Aalholder. Kick out with his foot. And Paul Tierney has sent him off. Comes out to MacArthur. First on ball slid into Zaha. Oh, what a goal! He's back! Wilfred Zaha with his right foot curls it beyond the despairing dive of Sam Johnson. On the left-hand side of the area looking for Van Arnholt. Keeps it in play. Benteke! 3-1 Crystal Palace. Wonderfully worked move from the Eagles. And now SA into the box. Driving through. Zaha for four. He's got a second in the afternoon. Lee dummy by Batshuayi. Benteke turns and shoots and makes it five. Christian Benteke matches Wilfried Zaha with a brace for Crystal Palace and that is that. It's a ten-point gap between West Brom and Palace now, courtesy of this result. It ends at the Hawthorns. West Bromwich Albion 1, Crystal Palace 5. Sunday Funday, let's start at the Hawthorns, live on TalkSport. West Bromwich Albion 1, Crystal Palace 5. This was an open, entertaining game with 27 shots across the piece when... It really shouldn't have been once Matthias Pereira was sent off after 34 minutes, Matt. And that is when you shut up shop and don't go chasing the game. Well, there's a reason why West Brom have got the worst defence in the Premier League. I think that's 23 goals they've conceded now. You know, Palace, Palace just don't score five. And they don't score. They certainly don't. They ever. certainly don't score five away from home. They've never done it before, ever, in the league, and, ever. And Benteke doesn't get two in a game. It's been three years since he did that. And Zaha was back, so you know they got a chance of winning because without him they haven't. So <laughs> it was, I mean, I, I don't know. Zaha, mate, again, we talked about Bruno's impact at United. Zaha for Palace is, is their talisman as well. Seven goals in his last nine now in the Premier League. Um, when he's in the team, it's, it's a different side entirely. Was it a sending off though, Crook? No, I then. Because you, you, you didn't say yes straight away. It isn't, is it? I mean, it, ultimately, so therefore it's, it's not a clear and obvious it's error. Not, yeah. It's not. It's a yellow card. Come on. I mean, if the referee had seen that, it gives a yellow card. There was nothing that much in it, wasn't it? It, it was risky, right. though. I would say that he's given the referee and the, and the VAR a decision to make by doing what he did. What was more risky? Fred headbutting someone on Wednesday night or Matthias Pereira kicking, like just edging his studs into someone's body saying, don't come anywhere near me. Because uh, let's be honest, the, the Crystal Palace player was leaning over him. Fred's was worse. There's no, there's no doubt that Fred's was, was worse. Um, I thought it was a yellow. I thought it was a yellow as well. Yeah. I, I think it's a bit harsh really to, to send him off if I'm, if I'm honest. We mentioned about Christian Benteke scoring two goals, bagging a brace. He, he, he's uh, scored more than once for the first time since April 2017. How worried are we about Slavin Bilic's team? Very, um, on that evidence and for the reasons that you alluded to really, the fact that he didn't almost just go for damage limitation um, after the red card and, and to keep playing so open and inviting Palace onto them was lamentable really and to concede five goals at home to a Palace team who don't score many goals is is damaging for, for confidence and for morale as well listen I've, I've said all along I think they'll go down I think they're a championship team playing in the Premier League their best player undoubtedly is Gallagher 
he's not going to keep them up single-handedly. But I feel sorry for Slavon Bullish because I don't believe that he's been backed by the board as he should have been. And they seem to me a club that are happy to yo-yo between the Premier League and the Championship and take the parachute money that comes their way. But without significant investment in January... I just can't see how they're going to avoid the trapdoor. Matt Holland, um, you were a central midfield player in the Premier League for years. In fact, you are seventh on the list of players that played consecutive 90 minutes in the Premier League. Uh, so tell me how good Conor Gallagher is in the centre of midfield for West Brom. Yeah, I, li- I like him because he's got a bit of everything. Uh, you know, he's got he's got an engine. He can get himself up and down. He's good on the ball. Um, he puts himself about defensively as well. Uh, gets himself into good positions as we've seen the last couple of weeks to get himself a goal on the edge of the box. Read situations well. Uh, now I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of his. He is like, like Crookie said, he's he's one of their better players. And um, no, I, I think he's, I think he's right up there. I think he's got a, you know big future ahead of him. I think because of the way that they have played over the course of the season, Crystal Palace have got quite a lot of stick notably on this podcast never having that much possession and boring the hell out of everybody and Matt's put his hand up here because he was guilty of uh, saying that as well obviously they had a better day of it once West Brom went down to 10 men but Roy Hodgson is 73 years of age I mean, Matt, why does he put himself through it I mean he could just be having a great old time on the golf course chilling out is it that addictive being involved in football on a day-to-day basis I don't know. Why doesn't he take a leaf out of Harry Redknapp's book and go and do I'm a Celebrity yeah, or something? Yeah, he could do The Jungle. Why doesn't he just that go would and do be The great. Jungle? Well, it's The Castle now. It's like he doesn't even have to go to Australia. He just exactly. have to do The Roy in The Castle would be great. Either. Roy Castle would be fantastic. He's even got a decent headline already made up for him. That, that, that would be television goal. But... I'm not sure if he gets enough respect, Roy Hodgson, for what he for what he's done there. Because again, Palace are not a side with loads of attacking talent. Obviously, his first priority is to make them difficult to beat. We know they're defensively pretty resolute. We know that with Zaha, they're a very different team to without him. But they're going to stay up comfortably. And that would have been their aim at the start of the season. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do in the summer. You know, does Roy Hodgson stay? I think half the squad are out of contract. Are we going to see a big overhaul? Well, I think it's worth pointing out, first of all, that he took over in the worst possible circumstances from De Boer, who had lost every single game at the start of the season and still managed to keep them up. I mean, so that in itself was a terrific achievement. I am sort of racking my brain to think, what would Roy Hodgson come out of the uh, jungle stroke castle and advertise? Because uh, Harry came out with um, Jam Roly Polies, didn't he? What would um, I mean? I don't think Roy should advertise those. I don't think he'd get his tongue round it. But um, uh, what, <laughs> what, what, what could he advertise? What, what, what Horlicks. Horlicks. Horlicks with Roy. Yeah, I suppose he got, probably likes a bit of Horlicks. I don't know. Sounds like we're being a bit ageist. Suggesting. I was going to say Stanister lips. <laughs> Again, probably going going into an area we shouldn't there. Anyway, uh, you can uh, you can you can tweet us and tell us what what you think. Uh, right, let's move on to Sheffield United against Leicester because uh, I suppose we're just about as concerned for Chris Wilder and his group who scored. Check came back from a goal down. Check defended well. Check but still didn't get anything. And afterwards, the manager said it was like watching the same film over and over again. Groundhog Day. How do they change the ending, Matt? Got no idea. I've got no idea because. You know, the last couple of weeks, they couldn't have done a lot more. You know, the amount of chances that they created at West Brom last week and, and didn't take any. You know, you're scratching your head as to how, how that's happened. And they've cut, you know, and then this week, the same again, really. And then it, it, it crucifies them scoring, you know, scoring that that late goal. I was in a similar position where Sheffield United came up, had a brilliant first season, and the second season didn't go to plan. We went. We actually got relegated. And this was with Ipswich, I feel that Sheffield United. I feel that Sheffield United are going exact same way. I mean, and when you get in that rut and you keep losing game after game after game, you're going into games and you, 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 you're doing everything that you think is right, and you're doing everything that you did the year before. And for some reason, you can't pick up results, and you just get in a hole. And, and Sheffield United are in a massive hole at the moment, like that. Sometimes raised expectations can be a manager's own worst enemy. And I think because Sheffield United overachieved so much last season, there's an element of that as well. If if they just scraped up on the last day of the season, for example, then the, the decline wouldn't seem so dramatic. But you'd have to have a heart of stone not to feel sorry for Chris Wilder. He was crouched on the edge of the technical area. He got a 
a, almost a pitch-eye view of the magnificent pass from Madison. And you just knew Vardy was going to stick it away. And it, it, football is a cruel game and the Premier League is an unforgiving beast. They're gone already. They've got one point from 11 games. They've only scored five goals all season. They're playing well and losing. It's not a great combination. The big question now is, do the board stick with Chris Wilder or do they gamble and, and try and bring in, in a firefighter to keep them up? For me, I think he's earned the right to stay and earned the right to try and bring them back to the Premier League next season because that's the job now because they're, they're not going to survive. Yeah, but they're not gone, are they? And then that is the key thing because at any other time you would say, yes, they are gone. But their next three fixtures are Southampton, Manchester United and Brighton and Hove Albion. If they were to get three points, to six points out of that, they could close the gap on those above. They could move out of the, the relegation. But where are those, point, where are those points going to come from? Well, they might come against so Burnley, Tuesday, 29th of December. They might beat Burnley. They may well beat Brighton down at the, the Amex. They could they could beat anyone. They, they've created so many opportunities during the course of all of the matches they've played. They just they haven't They didn't taken create it. loads of chances in this one. They, they were solid defensively, but... No, they didn't they, create they, loads of chances in this one, but they have done historically over the course of the season it's I, th- I, put, I think it's three from four at the bottom that are going to go and Sheffield United you know, have got as, as good a chance as any of those four of surviving so my, my only concern and you know we're talking about raised expectations etc last season they didn't score enough goals mm. so that's that's something that was there anyway so whilst they had an excellent season they tailed off towards the back end of it and they didn't score enough goals and it's the same this year. It's the biggest problem that Chris Wilder's got to solve is, is where he gets goals from that team. Yeah, well, McBurney, I think, was benefiting from the fact that he didn't have to think about that finish this Sunday lunchtime because it came at him so quickly. He just reacted and it went into the back of the net from the header from the corner. Um, just a quick word on Lee Smoussep because he may well change the uh, complexion of their front line. But again, unlucky rolled his ankle in training in the build-up to this game and wasn't able to play. They do think he'll be ready for next weekend, though. How much of a difference can he make, Alex? If you're relying on Lee Smoussey to keep you up, then you're in, in trouble, to be honest. Oh, um, okay. He's not someone who scored goals on a regular basis in the Premier League. I think he's someone whose fitness levels perhaps can can still be questioned and maybe his lifestyle off it. So for me, that that doesn't provide much salvation either. Okay, right, okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, Chris Wilder will be delighted to hear it. Um, let's talk about Liverpool against Wolves. Um, I, um, I I must admit, I thought this was going to be closer than it actually ended up being, but in the end, Liverpool, just they just look like a team that uh, are unstoppable, Matt. They're a terrific side. You know, you wondered this year whether there might be a little bit of a drop-off after what they've done the last couple of seasons, winning yeah. the, the Premier League title, winning the Champions League. Um, you just wonder whether there might be a little drop-off because of the intensity and the... the um, the pace that, Jür- that Jurgen Klopp wants his teams to play at, but none of it. I mean, this is this is a team that are relentless, absolutely relentless. And um, now they they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Look, helped by Connor Cody for the for the first one, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, how inevitable was that? I mean, he's his childhood team, the team that brought him through, and then he makes a mistake. He never makes a mistake like that. No, and then and then he and then he sort of went down for the penalty as well. It wasn't a, it wasn't his finest game, was it? Was it Connor Cody? I I just wonder whether Wolves might go back to a, a back five again now after playing the you know back four a couple of games. He mm. he thought they were getting a bit predictable playing a five, and um, but they were always difficult to to beat playing that way. Now he's gone to a four. They changed it up. They were decent last week. Triori was was you know getting a lot of space. Miss Raul Jimenez, of course they do. Um, he makes such a difference when he plays. But I just wonder whether he might go back, go to a back five again rather than the back four. Uh, Kelleher played in goal for Liverpool, which sort of takes him up the pecking order. Uh, he made a decent stop from Pedence's little scoop where he was sort of backpedalling, but he used his feet very very quickly to to pour that away. Um, what do we think about uh, him being able to fill the boots of Alisson for the next couple of weeks whilst the Brazilian is out? I think so far he's looked a more capable deputy than, than Adrian. As you say, he didn't have a lot to do in the game, but I thought what he did have to do, he did with the minimum of fast. He commanded the area well. It's remarkable when you think that Liverpool have, have been without arguably the best defender in Europe and so few goals conceded since Virgil van Dijk came out of the team. And that's credit uh, not only to the, the, the defenders who've taken his place, but to the team as a unit. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp has created this siege mentality, moaning about kickoff times yeah. and, and injuries. 
and they just look like they're never going to lose a home game again. I think it's 65 games unbeaten in the Premier League now at Anfield. I think they'll play Tottenham there uh, coming up uh, December the 16th. Obviously, that will be a test, but at the moment, you just can't see who's who's going to stop them. And the, and the fact they've had so many absentees and they're still there joint top, although Tottenham fans would prefer that we say second in, in the Premier League table. It, again, it's great credit second. to Jurgen Klopp and his coaching staff. The, the last time Liverpool lost a home game, Christian Benteke scored a brace. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's Sam, true. I know, and Sam Allardyce was in charge. Uh, Wolves went, as we mentioned, with a, with a four. They also went with a force nine. How do they solve the problem of not having Jimenez in the team? Because that's very, very difficult to overcome. Yeah, they don't, is, is the obvious answer. I, I think he's a miss at both ends of the pitch because he's so important to them uh, from a defensive point of view in terms of heading away corners and, and free kicks as well. And, and and like Bruno Fernandes, he's been their talisman since they came into the Premier League. They don't have a like-for-like like replacement. It's probably a, a problem that a lot of clubs will find themselves when you, you only really play with one central striker. You don't have a backup because people don't want to come and, and sit on the bench. So... January is going to be an interesting time, I think, for Wolverhampton Wanderers to, to see if they can find someone to replace what Jimenez brings. Okay, uh, Matt, thank you very much for giving us your time. Uh, we appreciate it. Crookie, uh, enjoy your uh, your journey back to wherever you are going next, probably some tier one venue, uh, illegally super spreading. Um, that's it from us. We're back on Thursday with Darren Lewis in time for your commute back home from work to preview all the weekend's games in Premier League football. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review and subscribe and tell all your mates about the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.